Well, it's good seeing all of you guys. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And before we get there, um, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for this, this church body, this family that you have blessed us with, that we can gather in your name because you have bought us with your precious blood, that once we were not a people, but now we are your people. Once we did not receive mercy, but now we have received mercy. And Lord, as we open up your word, um, can you make yourself known to us? Can you speak to us? Can you stir our hearts and our affections for you, Lord? You know where um, we're all from, where we're all going, how we're feeling, um, what we're thinking, the life uh, we've experienced, the struggles we're entering into, the difficulties, Lord. Um, and so can you minister to us in just such an incredible way? Can there be just such a sweet aroma of your presence in this room? Um, that when we walk out of here, that we can say, not that the sermon was great, but man, Jesus was in this room. We've experienced Jesus, and what a great Savior we have. Lord, as we open up your word, can you speak to us and reveal truth to us? Can we see what a wonderful privilege it is to be um, the church? And Lord, may we honestly evaluate as we look at our own lives and ask ourselves, what kind of church member are we? And so Lord, come and make yourself known and speak to us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. When all God's people said, amen. amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so if you've been following us in our series, you're probably wondering, like, didn't we kind of wrap up um, the last time in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Shouldn't we be wrapping up chapter 6? And you're actually correct, we should be. Um, but we're not, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to skip those chapters and we're going to go over to chapter 12 briefly. And so here's why I'm going to do it. The reason, two reasons. First of all, um, it's family service and I was studying chapter 6 and chapter 7 and I just didn't think the information was appropriate for them. Um, that was reason number one. But then reason number two as well, um, one of the themes that we've seen throughout uh, really the letter of 1 Corinthians is not an explicit theme. In other words, you don't really Really, it doesn't jump off the pages, but it's very implied throughout kind of the passages. In other words, like if you really want to understand uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, this letter, there's this implicit theme that I think we need to understand, and especially in our culture, we don't under really understand it. And it's the theme of church membership. Like one of the things, like there's just so much confusion when it comes to, to church membership. And so the reason I want to bring it up is not to take the whip out and kind of whip you and say, hey, step up or you need to do something. Like really my desire is not that. My desire is like church membership is a gift from God that he has given us that we need to fully understand. And by not really fully understanding it, we're kind of missing out. Like, I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you because the church that he has built, the body of Christ, is a gift for you. It is for your benefit and it's for your good and for my benefit and for my good. And I want to show you the beauty of the church and what it means to be a church member. So we're not here to promote Forest Park and our membership classes. Like, quite frankly, I don't care where you are a member of. 
as long as you are a member of the local church. And so I want you to understand that concept. Now, if you think about church membership, there's just so much confusion when it comes to membership. Like, for example, like there's a lot of churches that don't practice membership. Another confusion is there's many Christians who do not practice church membership. Another one is like, if you read the Bible, like nowhere in the Bible are you going to read, thou shalt join a church. Like it's not in the scripture. Uh, some people are like, I don't really know what membership is. I just figured the more I come, I'm just automatically a member. And so membership is just assumed on, on, on attendance. Uh, others believe, and maybe you've been hurt by church. Let's just be honest. Like you're going to get hurt in church. And maybe you're jaded towards the church. And you just think about membership as just the number came just like, just so that your name can be on a piece of a directory. And in your mind, you're like, there's really no benefit of being a church member. And then others like, why, why even join a church? If I belong to Christ, am I not part of like the universal church and automatically assumed to be his people? So why do I have to be intentional in being part of the body? So maybe um, you were already confused and then all the questions I've brought up kind of created more confusion. Um, so maybe that was not the best thing, but I just kind of wanted to show you the, the big confusion about church membership. And I don't really, to be honest, like we can talk about church membership for 10, 15 weeks. Like it is such a vast topic and there's so much for us to say about it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna spend 25 minutes on it and I'm not gonna be able to answer all the questions. So, so my goal is I kind of wanna whet your appetite. I kind of want you to see like, what a, 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 a privilege it is to be a, a member of a church and the responsibility and what that means. Uh, so that's kind of my desire that you on your own are going to study the scriptures and really see the importance of what it means to be a church member. So one of the questions I want to address because I think it's such a common question is, okay, Neil, I get that your church does membership, but technically the Bible doesn't command us to be a church member. Like it doesn't. So, so what scriptural evidence are you going to, to, to give me? And, and I would say you're absolutely correct. Like the Bible does not command you to become a church member of a local church. And some of you are like, dude, you're kind of digging yourself a hole. No, I'm not. I'm kind of setting you up here. Because the Bible does something far greater. It does something far greater than just simply command you to join a church. Because what the Bible does when it talks about the church, it really, when it talks about the church, it really expands this relationship between the church and its members with a series of metaphors that shapes our identity and then challenges our culture, especially in our, in our 21st century culture of individualism and self-sufficiency and independence and pride. These metaphors kind of, in a sense, confront us all of these things like if the bible just simply said thou shalt join a church then you can just kind of check off the box and say well i'm a member of such and such a church but because it does something far better it uses metaphors it betrays the, this relationship that exists between the church and its members it doesn't just force us to kind of join a church it kind of assumes that we're part of a church but as we read these metaphors really what it confronts us with is what kind of church member am I? And so as we look at these metaphors, the questions is going to force us to ask is, does my church membership look like that? How might I be more like what the Bible describes in this metaphor? 
And these metaphors show that this membership is more than just having a name on a piece of directory, but rather shapes how we choose to live our lives in the context of the church. So we're going to talk about three metaphors. Obviously, there's more metaphors to the church, but I figure we'll do the big three. Actually, the big, the part of the big four, but we'll just do three, okay? So if you're taking notes, here, here's the very first metaphor that, that the Bible talks about church. The church is a body, okay? The church is a body. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to, to 31. A, and again, when we go through our series, again, we'll unpack and further expose it. So for right now, I'm just going to read it, do a couple observations, couple applications, and then we'll move on. So if I'm not addressing some of the questions you have in your text, hold on until we actually get to that part of the text. But I just kind of want to touch base on it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Paul says this, for just as the body is one, and as many parts, all the parts of that body, as though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not, is not one, but one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is not for that reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead... God has put the body together, together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in other tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. So right off the bat, a few observations. Paul refers to the church as the body of, of Christ. And the Christians are all members of that body. Now, more than likely, and I have a, a, a suspicion that Paul did not make up this metaphor, but rather he borrowed this metaphor from Jesus. And the reason why I say that is because the apostle Paul, before he became the apostle Paul, was Saul, and he breathed out murderous threats against the church. He 
hated Christians, he hated Jesus, and he hated anybody that followed Jesus, so he was on his way to Damascus to to make sure they're all thrown in jail and executed, and he wanted to make sure that he eradicates these Christians from the face of the earth. And then Jesus arrives on the scene with a blinding light, and Jesus says in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, fill in the blank, me? Jesus is not saying, why are you persecuting my people? But rather, he is, why are you persecuting me? In other words, Jesus so closely identifies to his people because not only are we the bride, we're not going to talk about the bride part a little bit, but we are the the body. Christ is the, the head. And so more than likely, Paul borrowed that metaphor from Jesus. And for Paul, an individual Christian is neither isolated nor independent because the Christian is part of the body of Christ. A Christian is like a hand, a foot, a toe, an artery, an adrenal gland, or any other body part. We're only healthy and useful if we are attached to the body. Which means if you are a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, which means you are now interconnected and interdependent. So I think this metaphor has has many implications. One of the first implications this metaphor has, it emphasizes the importance of every church member. Like it kind of, if you look at the passage, it breaks it up. Like every church member is important because every church member represents a body part, which means there's no excuse for self-pity and there is no excuse for pride. Like one body part cannot say, oh, I'm a pinky toe. I don't really have any benefit for the church. Like cut off your pinky toe and see how it works out for you. Like that's not good, right? And there's not somebody parts that say, well, I'm really the arm. Like, I got a lot of weight here. And it's like, yeah, you kind of rip everything else off. What are you for? You're kind of useless. So really what what we're saying in this metaphor, like every church member is vital to the health of the church, the body of Christ. This metaphor also suggests the dangers of not being part of the body. Like, how healthy can the body be if its members are not part of it? And how healthy can its members be if it's detached from the body? Like, you might survive like a couple hours, but what happens to body parts that are cut off from the body? If you don't put it on ice and you rush it to the ER so that they can sew it back, it decays, it rots. This metaphor also ties our spiritual good to one another. Like I love verse 26. It says this. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Like again, think about the metaphor of being part of the body. If one part of the body is hurting... It's going to eventually affect all the parts of the body. It's like you sprain one muscle, 
You're limping, and as you're limping, now you're causing pain everywhere else because you're overcompensating. The body is overcompensating, and then it creates more injuries and more suffering. And and really what this metaphor is showing us is that we're so interconnected to one another and so interdependent to one another that if one tiny part of the body is hurting, is suffering, it impacts the entire body, which that means, what's the implications for that? We're kind of responsible for one another. That if we're all, if one of all of us flourish, then if one flourishes, all of us in a sense are flourishing. And then the metaphor also assumes the intimacy we share with one another. In other words, like members rub shoulders with one another. They're interconnected with one another. They're dependent on one another. One another's grief becomes the other's burden as well. And and notice God's role in all of this. Look, Look at verse 18. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. Think about that. What has God done? God has taken you, and he has given you a role, and he has arranged you in such a way to be part of that body and the role that you play for the benefit of the body. You you didn't do it. God did it. Uh, Look at the second part, verse verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. Not only has God arranged you to be part of the body, but God has appointed you to play a specific role in the body. And so if we look at this metaphor just of the face value, like it forces me to ask certain questions. Like, am I a part of the body? What body am I a part of? Or am I a detached body part? Am I really a foot or a hand in part of the body? Or am I an indispensable house shoe that's just kind of tossed to the side? The second metaphor, if you're taking notes, is the church not only is a body, but the church is a family. Um, The church is a family. Two scriptural references that you can write down, and then I'll read it for us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And then 1 Peter 4, 17. So 1 Timothy 3, 15, 1 Peter 4, 17. I figured I'll do two verses. This is what, what Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 15. He's writing to Timothy. He says, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So, so what does Paul refer the church to as God's household? Peter writes this in 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? So in other words, Paul refers to Christians. Paul refers to the church as God's household. So both Peter, both Paul refers to us as God's household, or another word is family. And think about it. What's a family made of? Family members. 
Members are not just names on a piece of paper, although there might be a file folder with birth certificates and marriage certificates and all that kind of thing, but it's more than just names on pieces of paper. It is a network of relationships and obligations. Family members are bound to one another. How many of you have family members that you might not like very much, but you have to fulfill your obligation towards them because they're family? I know, honey. I know. Just bear with them. He's family. You have a sense of an obligation to them as much as you want to say, I'm done with you, no more. What kind of eats at the back of your mind is their family. What do family members do? They share meals together. They do life together. They celebrate together. They meet together. They rejoice together. They make decisions together. They laugh together. They cry together. They go through, uh, when they are separated, they long to be with one another. And what's the church? The church is a family, which means if the church is a family, it is a network of relationships with obligation. And I know in our mind, we're like to thinking, no, church is a venue that I go to. And the second I'm tired of them, I'm just going to be out. It's not, it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that the church is the household of God, which means it is a series of relationships with obligations. And just like there are certain family members that are blood members that we have to put up with, that's the same in the church. So if I'm a family member, you have to put up with me with my, my weirdness and all. Because we're family and I have to put up with you. Why? Because we are, we're family. And we do family things together. That's why we call one another brothers and, and sisters. It's not an old term. It's a familial term. Because we're, we're family. We're committed to one another. We care for one another. We laugh with one another. We worship with, with, with one another. We serve with one another. And again, the New Testament conceives membership, not just a checklist, but a way of life. Like, think about that. Being a church member kind of defines you. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. That kind of defines how I live my life, my priorities. There are certain things I no longer do anymore. Why? Because I'm married. Because I have children to take care of. The same as a wife. Like there are certain things you don't do anymore. It changes your priorities. It changes what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Simply because you are a wife. You are a mother. Isn't that the same true for us being a church member? Like if we're a family, it doesn't mean we have certain obligations. And it defines what we value and what we choose to do. That's what that metaphor forces us to do. Like, don't you just wish now that God just said join a church? But in this metaphor, it's like so much more than joining a church. It's actually saying, yeah, your priorities and your values is going to be wrapped up around this relationship called the household of God, family, which means you're obligated to one another. And there are certain things that you might want to do, but you're not going to do because it's not about you. Because there are people that are depending on you 
Oh, how I wish the Bible just said join the church and make it just so clean and so easy and say just check. But it does so much better. It challenges us and it forces us to ask the question, what kind of family member am I? Am I just the next door neighbor that just kind of pops into the family whenever they have gatherings? Or am I a family member that actually actively plays a part in the family? Or am I the distant relative that's twice removed, but everybody just puts up with me and I just show up every five years? What family member am I? The last one is, is this, the metaphor, if you're taking notes, is the church is a temple. Not only is it the body of Christ, the family of God, but it is the temple. Um, if you want to write down the references, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 17, and 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 17, and 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5. Here Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 17, he says, Don't you yourself know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. So he's writing to the church of Corinth. We've, we've already addressed the passage. And what is he reminding the church in Corinth? You are God's temple. You are the place where God dwells. His spirit dwells among you. That is who you are. Uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. He says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter calls the Christian living stones that's built together as a spiritual house. And so as Jesus is now the new and better temple where the Lord dwells among his people and Christ has poured out his, poured out his spirit on his people, that means the local congregation, we now are the dwelling place of God. We are living stones, bricks that are mortared together, and together we are the temple of God. And again, think about the interconnectedness individually, we're just a pile of bricks. We just lay there. But the second you take piles of bricks and you lay it together and moor it together, what does it become? A beautiful building, a temple. And we are bricks laid together on the cornerstone on the foundation which is Jesus Christ and again look how this metaphor shows us how interconnected we are and so the question that forces me to ask is am I part of the temple mortar together or am I just a loose brick that's tossed to the side just laying there what kind of church member am I and so here's the the application as we look at these, these metaphors, like instead of simply commanding Christians to join the church, which I hope by now you're like, I wish it just did it because it would just be easier. The Bible does so much more. 
It portrays the Christian life in such a way that a Christian can never be separated from the church. The biblical metaphors of the, for the church is that membership means having a vital connection to a local congregation. It shapes our values and our characters. It doesn't just tell us what to do, but it tells us who we are. For example, if we see ourselves as a stone and a temple, what do we do? We labor together with the other members because bricks, after all, don't make a temple unless they're put together. If we see ourselves as members of the body of Christ, then we value the health of the whole body, not just our own personal spiritual health. And if we see ourselves as members of a family, don't we strive to be a family? And so I think here's some of, for some of you, here, here's the immediate application. The, the, the first immediate application is if you're not a member of any church, pursue church membership. Whatever church you go to, whatever church you plan to attend, say, hey, do you have membership? What's your process? Pursue it because I want to get involved. I want to be part of this family. I want to be built with these bricks to become the temple of God. And for some of you, maybe that you're already a church member. But for your application is, you need to evaluate, what kind of church member am I? Like, what church member am I? Am I a distant relative? Or am I actually close family living in this household? Am I a brick mortared together or laying to the side? Am I a body part that is functioning the way I'm supposed to function? Or am I slowly but surely detaching myself from the body? And here's what I don't want you to miss. For many of us, we think about church membership and we're like, okay, you know, that's kind of weighty. That's kind of crushing because I feel like I kind of stink in all those areas. But here's what I want to end with. And here's why I'm, I'm preaching this. I want you to understand, I want you to realize the honor and the privilege it is to be part of the church. Because why can you be a part of the church? You can only be part of the church because of the work of Jesus Christ, the work that he has done. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, what Paul is reminding his people kind of in a backwards way is remember who you are. Remember the mercy that you have received from God to make you a people because you were once not a people of God. You were an enemy of God. You were against God. And because of the mercy that he has lavished on you through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, he has made you a people. He has made you to be part of of the church what a privilege that he has bought you with that paul even says in acts chapter 20 verse 28 he, he tells that the elders in ephesus he says watch over the church and here's the part i want you to understand the church of god which he purchased with his blood in other words, the reason why you can be part of the church is because Jesus Christ has purchased you with his blood. You've been bought. You've received mercy. 
You've been taken out of darkness into light. You have been made a people of God. Like what a privilege. Like church should never be a burden, even though at times it might seem burdensome because it's hard. The church should always be a blessing and a delight because what it took for God to make that happen. The mercy he has lavished on you. The blood that Jesus has purchased you with. And because of the mercy of God through the work of Christ that he has purchased you with his own blood, you now belong to him, which means we are his body, we are his family, we are his temple, we are his bride. And and here's the good news. I'll be the first one to say um, the local church, not just our church, I'm talking about all the local churches throughout the world, far from perfect messy. Why? Because it's filled with people. You're in it. I'm in it. And we drag all of our sin into it, just like a marriage. What do you you see in a marriage? When you have two selfish sinners committing themselves to one another, like the last time I checked, one sinner plus another sinner equals two sinners. That's a whole lot of sin. That's a recipe for a disaster. So now you just multiply it by hundreds. But here's the good news, though. The good news that in the midst of God bringing us together as his people, what is he doing? He is working. He is sanctifying. He is saving us through it. And this is why Paul says he kind of ties it to marriage. And he shows us, look at Jesus' commitment here in Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. And then we're done. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In other words, like even though we look at the church and we say, we are a hot mess. Here's the promise. Who loves us? Jesus. Who died for us? Jesus. And what is Jesus' commitment to us? To cleanse us and to perfect us and to present us as holy and blameless before his sight. And you know how he does it? By using all of us as knuckleheads, getting under each other's skin, rubbing each other the wrong way, learning what it means to extend mercy and grace and to forgive. If that's how the Lord does it in a marriage... That's how the Lord is doing it in the church. And that's why he compares the relationship between us and Christ and the marriage, the bride. Do you see the mystery in all of that? But here's our main application here. And you've heard me say this phrase over and over and over throughout our series of 1 Corinthians. Become what you are. Become what you are. That's as simple as that. If you are in Christ which means you're the body of Christ, become the body of Christ. If you are in Christ and you're part of the family of God, become the family of God. If you are in Christ and, 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 and you're, you're, you're part, be part of the, the temple, be part of the bride of Christ, simply become what you are and never forget the privilege of what God has done and purchased and redeemed and made you his people. 
Praise the Lord for the local church. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for each other that we are your body, we are your family, your temple, that you are building up together. You are arranging us in such a way you've ordained all of these things and you are committed in perfecting us. Lord, help us to become what we are. Lord, may church membership not just be a checklist, but may it shape our values. May it shape our priorities and our character. And Lord, you know for some of us who've been hurt in church, Lord, can you bring healing? Can you bring forgiveness? Can you help us to work towards reconciliation? Can you help us to bear with one another? Can you help us to love one another? Forgive one another? Show mercy to one another? Grace to one another? Serve one another? Encourage one another? Weep with one another? Lord, help us to become what we are.